Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! the sound of the sirens y'all that can only mean one thing thank you for listening to another edition of the outsider's edge podcast this is not your boy rance he is still out on assignment this is your main man mr kyle morris holding it down and this week i have reached in to our grab bag of friends and family and pulled out another awesome and irreplaceable outsider's edge guest uh, listeners, y'all have probably read my guest's work many times on WrestlingHeadlines.com, formerly LordsOfPain.net. Um, I'm sure you've seen him out there on the Twitterverse. Ladies and gentlemen, this week my guest is the incomparable Sir Sam, all the way from Australia. Thank you so much for joining me this week, man. Very nice to be here. It's great. Yeah, really appreciate being on here. We've been trying to set this up for a while. Uh, Kyle and, and Rance and, Ke- and Curve went uh, into who, who, 
who messages us most on Twitter after every single show. And my name came out of the came top of that heap because sometimes I feel like I sit here steaming. I love listening to you guys, but sometimes I sit here, you know, steam coming out of my ears while I'm listening and just wanting to wanting to jump in. So there are times I'm loving being here. I'm not gonna lie. There are times when I'm rec- when we're recording the show, and I know you're gonna listen to the show, and I'll think to myself. Sam's not gonna like that very much. He's gonna he's gonna come at us on the DM. <laughs> Sam's gonna Sam's definitely gonna send us a DM on that one. Um, <laughs> but I'm really excited to have you here. For our listeners that aren't um, that aren't as familiar, Sam is a very very big diehard AEW fan, and I wanted us to be able to have a really cool conversation about. His journey as a wrestling fan, his journey as a Shield fan, how does he go from being more engaged with WWE to becoming an AEW diehard, suggestions he would have as a fan for AEW in the future. Like, we're just going to have a real All Elite-centered episode this week, and I'm really excited to just kind of get into that. Um so I'm not going to waste any time, and I'm just going to launch in with my first question. Sam, talk to us a little bit about your fan journey in wrestling. I know being a wrestling fan in Australia can be difficult in general because y'all don't get as many shows. Yeah, well, to say the least, I mean, we do get, you know, Raw, SmackDown. We don't get as much in the way of live shows, um, but we do get those, you know, live in, in the person shows. Although there is actually a pretty decent wrestling scene in Australia, if you, if you can find it out, like an indie wrestling scene. Uh, but you do have, but for a long time, for, uh, Raw and SmackDown have been um, hidden away on, on cable TV, pay TV, which in Australia is a lot it seems like it's a lot less widespread than it is in in the US. I'm not, you know, super across well, what just the TV you, market is over there. It's, to give yeah. you an idea of the difference, we free TV in the United States is five channels. Mm. Free TV in the United States is Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC, and the CW. Those are the five channels that you can get for free with Rabbit Ears which is why WWE moving SmackDown to Fox in the United States was a big deal because for the first time they're on free TV. Yeah. So anyone can get it. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that I think has, has made it a niche sort of a more of a niche product in Australia, you know, many, many years ago, back in the, if you want to go into it back in the sixties, uh, we had a, a really big promotion in Melbourne called world championship wrestling, WCW that had, it was an NWA territory. Uh, and we had people like Dusty Rhodes coming here, Abdullah Butcher, although Harley Race defended his championship against like locals. Big scene, but then it got taken off free TV, uh, and the the scene pretty much died in the 70s and was only really the indie scene was has only really been revived in the last 20 years. That's a so we came here to talk about. It's interesting. That's okay. No, this is still um, cool. But, I love this stuff. Yeah, yeah, but look, I I came into wrestling when I was in university so i i don't have any i remember there was a few friends that were into wrestling who had pay tv at their home but i didn't have it so i just never watched it um and i remember i watched uh, a thing that had batista in it and i was like man that's cool and they had a, a highlight show that was going to be on free tv and i watched the highlight show and there was batista versus the great carly of all things was the first wrestling match that <laughs> i ever watched and that's what hooked me so <laughs> that that's how you knew yeah. you were meant to be a diehard fan for yeah. life that's how you knew yeah. you were meant to be a diehard for life yeah. the first match i ever saw was batista versus the great carly and i was hooked <laughs> yeah. yeah so um 
Yeah, that's that's where my journey started. So it was like the late 2000s. And the I'd say I, I kind of was into it for a few years, kind of dropped out of it. Just a few things happened. It was, you know, the, the early two, the early 2010s were pretty pretty rough time for fandom in general. Um, but I, I came back to it when I heard that Daniel Bryan was um, heading into the main event and that CM Punk had walked out. So the first pay-per-view I watched um, when I came back was Elimination Chamber 2014. Ooh, and I came back to oh. see Brian. And yeah, yeah. And the, the, thing, the thing that just burned into my brain at that point was that six-man match, which is still one of the best six-man matches I've ever seen. And look, the, the Shield guys in that really stood out to me. And honestly, they, they have formed and still really do um, form the center of my fandom uh, of all wrestling. Um, so watching the rise of, I, I say I, I came back to see Daniel Bryan, but I stuck around to watch the shield, particularly Dean Ambrose and roll and Seth Rollins, whose feud like really hit that. That really is what like dragged they are me still in. to this and, day. I would argue. I agree with you. I think to this day, they are mm. still each other's greatest foils. I agree. I cannot I, I, think of even as great. Seth is doing really great work right now as yeah. this like Messiah character. He's doing really great work right now. Him and Cesaro have great chemistry and always have from their days in Ring of Honor. But I still cannot think Seth Rollins without thinking Dean Ambrose. And I still can't see John Moxley and not think. So like, when is Seth going to come beat the shit out of you? Oh man. I, I'm like, I am on the edge of my seat for one day. Hopefully that happens. Like, I, I think that's that's probably the one thing that John Moxley would go back to the WWE for is is to to finish that story with to with finally Seth have Rollins the Shield triple Reigns. threat match at WrestleMania oh, like it was yeah. supposed to be instead oh. of throwing it on which pay per view did they throw it on? It was the first brand battleground battleground. That's what yeah, it was. It was like you and can wait four match. more weeks and have it at SummerSlam. Oh, it's fantastic. It was a great match, and we knew it would be a great match. But to your point of what you're talking about with why Seth and Dean became such favorites for you and occupy such a special place in your heart, like, at that point, that was a storyline that was already three years in the making. All of them had feuded with each other individually. This is potentially the last time you get to see it because we're doing brand extension 2.0 and we don't know what that's going to look like. And you throw that match on Battleground. Yeah. Like you said, not even SummerSlam. Wait four more weeks, put that shit on SummerSlam. Instead, nope, we put it on Battleground and then watched Finn Balor separate his shoulder and his career at SummerSlam. Yeah, and look, it's a it's an amazing match as well. Like, there's all this chicanery around it, and the commentary is horrific. But if you just watch the match, those three are wrestling like there's no one else in the world, and and the crowd is so hot and so into it. And and look, I, to I actually think the Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins story from I mean, if you really want to trace it back, you can trace it back to FCW and, and draw their story starting there. Um, but through to when they reunite in 2017 um, with that that incredible story, which is why I started writing about wrestling actually on Wrestling Headlines, um, was this just incredible story of them trying to both being good guys at the time, but trying to work through the baggage that they both had for what they had gone through together and what Seth had done to Dean, and as a result, how Dean felt about Seth. Um, and yeah, the journey, and but just also the acknowledging journey. that history, which is something that yeah. 
which is something that all of wrestling, WWE and AEW are both mm. guilty of it. Every company is guilty of it. Wrestling yeah. is very selective about when we acknowledge mm. history. Yeah. We are very but, selective about yeah. continuity. And that story was so great because they were just like, okay, yeah, we've both gone through some things and done mm. some stuff, but last time we talked, it was not very good. And I don't know if I trust you. Mm. There's even like, look, it's, it's just those two, every time they they interacted there's just so much depth to what they and that's what i loved about it and that's why those two in particular formed the core of my fandom um for for most of the time i've been a wrestling fan to be honest and as you said like i started as a i'm an a i I, absolutely i i I love AEW right now. It's, that's the promotion that I, I think is one of it's it's the best promotion in the world as far as I'm it concerned right now. You, and it speaks to you as a fan. It's exactly. The, it's the exactly. promotion of all of the ones. It is the one that is doing the most things that you like as a fan and the least mm. things that you don't like. Yeah, but until until say 2018, I was writing these columns about the WWE. Like I was writing how good about and i was mr positive about that right, um, and what happened and so, Tell, like walk us through yeah what happened there so i mean the the things that happened it was sort of 2018 the second half of 2018 and 2019 is when i sort of really started to have difficulties being a wwe fan there was stuff that happened before because like i mean the WWE has never been perfect, but there was right. always enough there to, for you know, for me to sink to my keep teeth you coming into. back and to at least mm. say like, okay, yeah, I don't like this, but this is okay. Yeah, it's 2016. But, I don't like Eva Marie, but literally everything else they're doing on SmackDown is hitting. Yeah, yeah, but the the thing that really frustrated me and frustrated a lot of people as well, like you'll know the doc, Chad Matthews, who you guys have had on in the past. He was immensely frustrated by the way that the, the main roster talent. So the guys that I'd invested in like Dean Ambrose, the Seth Rollins weren't able, and even Roman Reigns weren't given the car to drive. They were forced below like an, what you'd call like an Uber tier of legends. Mm -hmm. Um, the Undertakers, Shane McMahon's, the Triple H's, and of course the one that stood above everyone at that time, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And it, it just was for me as a fan who wanted to see these guys who I thought were the best in the world and were ki- I thought were killing it. Seth Rollins in 2018 had an absolute barn burner of a year. People forget that he was over. People were loving his act in 2018, but the WWE because of the way they'd set themselves up couldn't ride that in the way that the narrative wanted it to. And then by the time it happened at WrestleMania, he'd gone off the boil. And then man, the, the thing that the, the night that got me was money in the bank, 2019 when I was like, I, I thought, you know, Brock had gone and this happened also in 2018 um, when then he returned at hell in a cell. Um, and I was kind of ready. There was, the money in the bank match. It was like a metaphor for my fandom. There was all of the, these young guys who were doing so well. Sami Zayn was, you know, absolutely killing himself to get over. Mustafa Ali was literally holding the briefcase. And I was oh. at that time, I was massively high on Mustafa Ali. Cause I loved two Oh five live. Um, he still and, gets and, character work in a way that oh, nobody else does. Mustafa yeah. Ali just understands how to do mm. character. And he, 
was literally holding the briefcase mm-hmm. and yeah. Brock Lesnar walks in and wins it. And it was just too, that was too much. Oh, you'll get no, <laughs> you'll get no arguments from me. I'm sure you distinctly remember my many, many arguments oh, yeah. with my golden lover, Mr. Ray Cash of <laughs> rants. I get it. But if I see Brock Lesnar on my screen, I'm going to change the channel. Mm. Because my only recourse as a fan to say this is not what I'm here for is to turn off the program. And then and then the thing that finally did it was the uh, the debut SmackDown on Fox. And look, I under I fully acknowledge now that WWE has they, actually done a lot in the last out. twelve months, but just for various other reasons in in my world, it, yeah. being a parent, having a job and career. All these other there's things. Only 20, there's I just only don't have four hours in a day. Yeah. There's lots of fucking wrestling in a week. Yeah. There's Indeed. no time for the wrestling mm. that doesn't bring you joy. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so AEW brings me a lot of joy. And at the same time in 2018, 2019, that was when I started to pay attention to what the elite was doing. I'd watched the Kenny Omega match against Carter in 2017. And I was like, wow, this is incredible what they're doing. Those two but, just create such said, an effortless art. Yeah. And, and, and watching Omega that year had other matches against Naito that really caught my attention against Ishii. But as I said, I'm a story guy. Like I'm a guy who gets drawn in by story, but at the start of 2018, you had that incredible Kenny Omega Kota Ibushi, Cody Rhodes, the rest of the Bullet Club story that was playing out on YouTube, was playing out in Ring of Honor, it was playing out in New which, Japan, which and as it felt story, like must-watch stuff. Yeah. Which, as a story, just to build on what you're saying, goes back even further, because that story was just an offshoot of Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole mm-hmm. for control of the Bullet Club and loyalty yeah. of the Bucks, and then... That was when Marty Skrull joined the Bullet Club, was to kick Adam Cole out of the Bullet Club. And yeah. that launched to Cody joining and Cody kind of taking the Cole role as like, hey guys, I'm actually here in America with you. Don't you want to hang out with me more? I'm and cool. Cody was like, Cody was like, I, I, I've compared it in columns to being like Wormtail from Game oh, yeah. of Thrones in the Spidey way he just like shit. whispered sweet nothings, like half truths into their ear, and then you'd see it play out, and you'd be like, no, don't. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> super little finger. Oh, as a as a man as a heel at that time it was incredible. He he, they actually had a tour to Australia. And normally someone like Cody Rhodes, when he turns up to Australia, because he turns up, you know, maybe like once every two years, gets a hero's welcome. Not at that point. He got F.U. Cody's all night long. A fan jumped the barrier and tried to rush him. Like, he was getting serious heat. That is still the best work of his career. I maintain yeah. that was still the and like there's no shame in the other things that he's done. There's a lot of shame in the way that he presents himself because he's tone deaf as fuck. <laughs> uh, you like an argument for me about that this year. <laughs> but, but there's no shame in the other things he's accomplished, even though him versus Kenny for control of the elite was by far the greatest like storytelling he's ever done. Yeah, yeah, and. Like, week after week, you were watching Being the Elite and trying to catch whatever they were doing, throwing out on social media or on Twitter. And, man, it just felt it felt very fresh at that point. And that was while 
that was happening while my fandom was kind of going downhill and then Dean Ambrose return didn't quite land. I'll defend the initial return and even the initial heel turn. I'll still defend it, even though he doesn't defend it himself. He's thrown it in the bin, but I won't. Because <laughs> I still think the, but, like, the you initial know, But you know what? That I, think, great. But, I think those things kind of feed into each other, though. Like, we've both worked plenty of jobs in our lives. We're grown-ass men. When you're dialed into the job and you're like, I can make this work, you can normally turn chicken shit into chicken salad. Yeah. If you look at it <laughs> immediately true. and are just like, nah, man, this is chicken shit, then that's exactly what it's about to be. Yeah, but then, look, you, you had uh, to go back to, yeah, like my my own story, you had this increasing appreciation for the elite happening. Yeah. The mock thing not hitting, then he doesn't quite leave. Then he, he says he's going to leave, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen? And then he shows up at double or nothing, and I was like, oh, I'm paying attention to all elite. Like, I, I'm sold on this thing. And then Mox goes on the run of his life, which we're going to debate, but it's the run of his life. <laughs> and, I won't uh, debate that part. It was the yeah. run of his life. We just mm. have a very, very different opinion about the ceiling of John Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, that's um, and and that's how I've ended up in an AEW fan because, that's as awesome. I said, like it's 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 sated my um what i want as a wrestling fan it's it's it, it gives me the sort of storytelling i want the sort of character stuff i want it features wrestlers that i love to watch um you know so what's not not to love about it and i, I still as i said I, I i still appreciate what the wwe do um even though i fell very much out of love with it just being away from it's allowed me to sort of put that baggage behind me and you know i'll enjoy a pay-per-view when it's on it's not going to be the, you know, I'm not watching it every single week, but I can definitely appreciate what they're doing now. And I'll still catch New Japan when it's on, although less and less this year, just as that promotion's just continued just in a tail so spiral. List, they just feel so oh. listless and like it, it feels like a company that is wandering in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. A shadow of its former self. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just like, like lost and wandering in the desert and like. Yeah. I, I don't know long term. I don't know long term for them because it really it really hinges on them getting the working relationship right with whichever of AEW or WWE they ultimately decide yeah. to make the final one. I think it'll be AEW. All like it makes most sense for it to be AEW. A lot of the negotiating with WWE does feel very much like an I need Tony to up the dollar amount kind of thing or not even dollar amount but like i need tony to up the terms mm. of this deal type thing um yeah. but i mean the thing is wwe could ultimately back up the full brinks truck because as i argued in our last episode here's the real difference between the money tony has more money than vince tony has more money all of vince's money is wrestling so he yep. will spend all of it on yep. wrestling if it brings him back in more money tony's money is in oil and it's really not his yet it's his daddy's money so if daddy shad says nah son i ain't giving you that tony's hands are tied yeah it's what is the core business like vince is yes. at his core that's a wrestling company like he's at the end of the day if his wrestling company fails everything else goes he's in it. trouble tony khan if his wrestling company fails happy days like who cares he might 
maybe he won't like get to be the head of the next sports sports yeah, company. This company is a tax buys. write-off for him. Yeah. This company is a tax write-off for him right now. Yeah, this a loss leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just a loss leader that I'm having a lot of fun running. Good payoff. Good yeah, payoff to the family. Yeah. <laughs> I get to do something that I want to do, which is probably a lot of cocaine and then be ridiculous in front of a camera. And uh, and book an AFED for real. So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, know, if if I had the money, I'd probably want to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, minus the cocaine, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no. So you had fallen in love with AEW to the point that I know you're currently collaborating with a bunch of your fellow workers within the wrestling world to put together a greatest matches of AEW. Hashtag journalists. Theory. Hashtag journalism. <laughs> I actually have a journalism degree, and I've uh, I've actually got a history of being on local radio in 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 uh, yeah. community radio here in Australia. So I can actually I can wear that hashtag journalist with pride. <laughs> see, see, you're a real journalism. We're just carny journalism. <laughs> um, no, so y'all are working. Um, you're collaborating with a bunch of people on a greatest matches of AEW series, and without giving away, you know, too many spoilers because I number one, I look forward to reading the finished product. But number two, I'm sure that there, I'm sure that plenty of our listeners have also read your work and would also like to actually read the product. Um, have there been any performers or particular matches that you've seen? popping up again and again yeah look just to lay out what what it is because i haven't actually announced much about it yet um other than just some random things on twitter i've I've talked about yeah so basically what i was i stopped writing a weekly i wrote weekly pretty much for three years and it it sort of burnt me out a little bit just on and i didn't didn't want to write anymore and and after a little while i was just sort of thinking what are some things i can do and as we're coming up to double or nothing which was the second um, anniversary for AEW, I, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool to get a whole bunch of people together to put together like a definitive match list of what has been AEW's top matches in this two years that they've had? Because, you know, you go you go through, you go to WWE, it's been around for so long, it's, it's really difficult to put together a top match list because there's very few people out there who have truly watched all the matches. Like there's people who who have watched a lot, there's people who've watched all the pay-per-views, but there's lots of people who have watched every single AEW match that's ever happened, uh, and and that's kind of rare. So I thought, why well, not a two-year time this... period? A two-year time period is of a good mm. window because yeah. wrestling hasn't evolved as much in two years. Mm. With a company as old as WWE, not only have few people not seen it all, but there has been such a change in wrestling over the course of the last. 40 years that what you might have considered a plus wrestling in 1970 is mm-hmm. not a plus wrestling anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, it, wrestling changes. Wrestling's changed a lot. Um, even in the last 10 years, wrestling's changed a lot. Absolutely. Like, um, but yeah, I, I thought why it would be great if we, if I could get together and I've got, cause I've been doing, doing this for a while on social media, I've got contacts with all bunches of different, uh, different websites, different writers, podcasters, all, all, all those sorts of things. So uh, I thought, let's 
just go out and get people's opinions. So I sent out a whole bunch of DMs. Twitter thought I was a bot, tried to ban me. Um, <laughs> I had to, had to do some stuff to reinstate my account. Then I sent the messages again without without the uh, the things that made me think made Twitter think I was uh, <laughs> I was a robot, uh, and uh, and and got a really great response. I was thinking like. You know, at minimum, I'd love to do a top 20. Turns out we've got enough votes in now to do like a kind of definitive top 30. Um, So everyone's been put in a top 15 or top 10 uh, of their their matches. And then they got point. Each match got points based on where they were. So, you know, top match gets 15 points, second 14, all the way down to one. All the way down. And uh, I I kept it. I I, I didn't want to open it to everyone just because like i don't know as we'll get into there's some real dribblers out there on the <laughs> in the internet wrestling community i just didn't want to have to deal with that i wanted people who i know are going to enter it in good faith do it genuinely and put some thought into it uh because i, I want it to be something serious that you know yeah absolutely. like no one else has done this so if someone's getting into aw it's like here's a list of 50 matches that you should watch these are the 50 best matches we've done. And I've got some other ideas for projects off the back of it, um, just because it's, you know, it's going to be 50 great best, matches. So. And those are the best kinds yeah. of projects, projects that can yeah. be built upon and can lead you into other things. You can branch it out into, hey, here mm. were the storylines behind the best matches in AEW history. Here were yeah. the backgrounds to the performers or whatever. Like, there's so many different avenues that you can yeah. go from a project like that. And uh, yeah, it, it was really good to, to get the results. It was really interesting to watch as they come. And I'm not going to give away um, what are the top matches, but there was right. three real clear. There was a really clear top three, and then sort of a, a clear fourth, and then there was a a big grouping of of them for In the, the rest of the top ten, and then it, it kind of just went down from there. But there was yeah. there was you know sort of twenty matches that popped up really regularly that you know got lots and lots of people voting for them and then the rest are all ones that you know have got like you know a a group of people voting for them but not you know everyone's not voting for them you can probably guess what you know if you followed the discourse you can probably guess what the top matches are but it was it was interesting to see you know some of the things that people picked up on and one of the things that really excited me was we had votes for every single matches that have appeared on every single different kind of part of AEW. So pay-per-views, um, Dynamite, Dynamite of course, they're the two major ones, but we've also had like in the top 50, there'll be something from the women's tournament uh, in the votes. It won't get into the top 50, but in the votes, we've got some dark matches as well, which is really cool. Uh, and, all different kinds of matches as well. You know, everything from um, one, there's one bloke who, who voted Dustin Rhodes versus Kip Sabian from when they were, um, when they were in the closed tapings in Georgia as his fourth favorite match. And I was like, look, I can't even remember that match, but it did strike me at the time, but this guy's loved it. And he wrote a really nice little part about it that'll feature in the columns. So yeah, it's always so interesting. Like you said, what, what kinds of things different people Mm. just like really latch onto or pick up on or are like really into. So like, just as an example, I was really, really into the Matt Hardy versus hangman page the entire story behind that. I was mm-hmm. really into the will he or won't he with the Dark Order, and I loved that match. Was it a five-star match? No, but it was my favorite match of the night on the card that it was on because I was so into everything about 
the way that they delivered it. Mm. And I'm all in on Hangman Page. Like, I am all in on Hangman Page. I will be happily rocking my Hangman Page gear at the Dynamite in Charlotte in a couple of weeks. Yeah, oh, I, I'm, I'm like the more and more every time I see him on screen, Hangman Page inches towards being closer to being my favorite wrestler, and and John Moxley is my favorite wrestler of all time, right? Like as I said, core of my fandom. So it's gonna take a long time for him to catch up, but man, every time I see Hangman Page, and you just know they've been like slow simmering him through this whole pandemic period, like they had him on the boil before the pandemic and before the lockdown and the shutdown and people were so into him and they've just simmered him through this because they've got long, long plans with him and and they've been waiting and he is going to And you can tell that they want his coronation to be one of those things that they do in front of a live audience. It's kind of like we've been to a much lesser extent. It's kind of like we've talked about on the show. Jeff Hardy's going to bring his old music back. It's been acknowledged. He has acknowledged that he's going to bring his old music back but they're waiting for them to do it in front of live crowds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Like, that's a, a good decision to make, um, particularly for, you know, the things that you really want to be special and really yeah. want to hang your hat on. Like, they, they want you Hangman want Page to, to be... him the star. And yeah. in, realistic, in a realistic sense, he is All Elite Wrestling's biggest created star. Mm. And I would say they created With him Darby in Allen. every... Uh, The reason I give it to Hangman is because I consider Hangman fully created by the elite. Like, Mm. nobody gave a shit about Hangman Page in Ring of Honor before. Even when he first joined the Bullet Club, nobody really gave a shit. Mm. He started getting on BTE. People saw that, like, he's hilarious and learned more about him, found out he was a teacher and, like, he's just genuinely a good dude. Mm. Um started to like him a little more he got better in the ring gets a little bit more exposure aew becomes a company they go all in on you know him and darby allen and orange cassidy as like their three Mm. people that the fans were into and that they were going to create into mega stars and so like i just consider hangman the biggest like actual star that was fully 100 created entirely by the elite yeah, I, I'd I'd agree with you there. He particularly if you do take into and I think it's fair to take into consideration what he did in in Ring of Honor with the Bullet Club slash the Elite because that's how he got over right by being on BTE by engaging in the storyline with with Cody and Kenny like he played a really yeah. interesting role in that in that storyline uh, and then later on in, in All In he had one of the big stories going into that Joey uh, Ryan and, turns yeah. out he's fucking hilarious and has <laughs> amazing comedic time. yeah. Yeah, and Hiroshi Tanahashi knew, I'll say that. He knew. He wanted to build New Japan around him, um, but obviously that didn't happen. But look, to, to get to your back to what you were saying about like how you were so into to Matt Matt Hardy and, and Christian, like it's interesting to see how that, you know, being into the story versus just being purely looking at the match affected this. So, you know, you've got some people voting for, say, like Ray Phoenix versus um versus kenny omega which is very much just a one-off match versus say like one of my favorite dynamite matches ever is john moxley versus darby allen which was all about like the the little story and the character the the interaction relationship they built up yeah 
yeah, and, and I love it because of how it, it builds off of that. And, you know, even there's some people who've – one of the things that is quite high is um, Cody versus Chris Jericho. And a lot of that, I think, is in the build because people connected with the build of that match so so completely and were so invested in Cody Rhodes as a as this bleeding heart, uh, the heart of the elite at that point, of all elite wrestling at that point, uh, that it, it really invested in this, in that match. So that the match, I think, was elevated by that. Yeah, yeah. And and look, at that point, he couldn't do absolutely no wrong in the eyes oh, of the at, crowd. At, yeah, no, at that point, <laughs> like, he yeah. definitely could not. And to a certain segment of the crowd, to a certain segment of the crowd, he still can't. To the certain yeah. segment of the crowd, yeah. he forever hits. And like... That's fine. Again, my biggest complaint about him is that he is just so fucking tone deaf. Yeah. Because I genuinely think, legitimately, I think that he's trying to be a good dude and he wants to be a good person. And his heart is in the right place. I really do believe that about him and Brandy. But they're just both so clueless as to how they come across with some of the things that they say and the way that they say them. And I'm just like... Y'all are making it real hard. But that's got nothing to do with the company, but you specifically are making it real hard to cheer for you. Yeah, and him being in such a big role in the company does turn some people off. And look, I, I think some of the Cody discourse is, um, is overblown and, and there's some real bad faith takes in there. But I... He feels so I, separate from the rest of the show to me right now. Right now he does. This year has been a weird year for Cody Rhodes in particular. This year in particular, since he dropped that TNT title to, to Darby Allen, it's been a real mixed bag of stuff. Yeah, like, he feels like a sideshow. Yeah. He feels like a sideshow within Dynamite. Every yeah. like Right down to the, it is so okay to be super proud to be having your first kid. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. It is so okay to just like be really into that. But like right down to the like overproduced video productions and gender oh reveal God, in yeah. the middle of the show the gender <laughs> and all of this shit. And I'm just like, dude, you have turned yourself into a sideshow. Yeah. Look, that like the gender reveal, that's the kind of thing you do when you've got a live crowd, you do it during the ad break. Yes! Or, uh, at the post or after Dynamite's happen when they're doing or their post. Or to, like, bring, have Cody start the show because Cody likes to do – Cody likes to be Triple H. Cody splits his time between <laughs> Triple H cosplay and Miz cosplay. Um, let Cody do his Triple H thing where he comes out to get the crowd hype to start the show. And Triple H that's got the crowd hype do. to start the show. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. And NXT, he does that shit. (laughs) Not in WWE, in NXT. He likes to be NXT Triple H. Um, Yeah, have him come out to do his big speech about we are AEW, blah, 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 blah. I'm having a girl. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, look, I'm having a baby girl. I'm super excited. This won't be on TV, but y'all can pop for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> it's, it's, but yeah, he has felt, and I mean, everything about his last storyline felt icky. I mean, it's still going on, so there's plenty more time for it. To... <laughs> yeah, but him versus QT at least feels less icky. Everything mm. about the way they presented the Agogo thing just yeah. felt really jingo-y and like, 
okay, so I'm only supposed to cheer for you because you're American. Yeah, that that did not hit the way that they they hoped it would. And then to double down on it was just the double down was the, the double down is uniquely American. The yeah. double down was the most American yeah. thing about the entire storyline. Oh, oh, you don't like my needless pandering to patriotism for no reason? Well, <laughs> double patriotism. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to come out dressed as George Washington <laughs> with, no, a, with an eagle on my back. this Homelander from fucking The Boys and then pretend that my nerd ass who has Zelda on my fucking boots doesn't know what Homelander is. Uh, um but yeah look my countdown <laughs> We've i love how we got off we got back, <laughs> back to the countdown yeah look oh, oh, oh i was just gonna wrap wrap that up because we are heading into i think what you said would be the next thing which is having a look at AEW and like what they could be doing better because they're not perfect I, as i said i love them but they're not perfect but look yeah this is going to be coming out over the next few weeks um, I'm putting it together. There's a lot of people have written some written some really great stuff, so I've got to make sure that I honour and respect that and, and the effort that other people have put into it as well as what I have. But, yeah, it should be coming out on Wrestling Headlines probably next weekend. I'm, I'm hoping to get the first lot up, the, you know, 50 to 30. Then I'll do um, the 20 to 10 and then the top 10 and, and try and feature that a little bit. But, yeah, I'm hoping it'll be something that people really engage with and people – you know, get some discussion going because it's an interesting concept as like what are the best matches that have happened. And as I said, we've got a real broad range of of different kinds of matches getting votes and everything from stuff on the first pay-per-view to the, the last one, everything from the women's tournament that happened in Japan to stuff that's, you know, happened in uh, there wasn't – I was hoping someone would vote for Matt Jackson versus Nick Jackson off BTE because <laughs> that was a fun match, but <laughs> didn't get any votes. It's, that would probably be stretching what All Elite is, but <laughs> – I mean, you know, wrestling is so subjective. Um, yeah. Well, I know I can't wait to read it. Um, y'all be sure to check it out. Sir Sam's got a greatest matches of AEW series coming along. He's collaborated with a whole bunch of people from – out within the wrestling world. It'll be coming at y'all on WrestlingHeadlines.com starting sometime around next week. Be sure to check that out. Um, coming up, we're going to talk about some things that AEW could do to improve as they're moving forward, some suggestions, and then we'll wrap it up with just a, some quick hits. But first, we got some bills to pay around here, so we're going to take a quick ad break. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. 
Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, y'all. So we're back. I've got Sir Sam here. Um, We're talking all things All Elite Wrestling. And so, Sam, um, one of the things that I definitely wanted us to talk about was what would your suggestions be as a diehard fan for ways that AEW can improve the product? Because nobody is perfect. And yet Rance and I offer a lot of criticisms and we are fans of the product, but we're not fans in the same way that you are really part of their core audience. So. I'd love to hear from you as that core audience. What are some things that they could do to improve that you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, as as I've said before, like the, this is not a perfect company, but it's a company that does have a lot of goodwill. And I think one of the one of the issues that is with all <clears throat> IW, like everything that happens in wrestling in the little wrestling bubble that we have of diehard fans, is there's there's people out there who do take joy and frustration of hardcore fans, and that's not just for AEW, that's for WWE. As I said, I used to be a massive W, I used to be the Mr. Positive for WWE, yeah. and you know there's plenty of people who wanted to you know have the bad faith takes, not look. They into live things. for the troll. Just live to troll, exactly. And and I think AEW, because it does have, like, people who, even more than me, just, like, really seem to identify with this company and have it as, like, something that they really hold close to their, their personal identity, who they are, and, and the things that they value. And I, I think there are people out there who genuinely do, like, trying to get a rise out of these people and, and trying to piss these people off. And, and that, that means that I think on social media when these criticisms come out it can sometimes there's there is a certainly a vanguard of AEW fans out there who will just jump on anything that remotely resembles you know maybe it is good faith criticism and treat it like it is that bad faith criticism that they do get um I, I've actually copped it at different points <laughs> I, I've written a few columns like I wrote a column of um when when uh Matt Cardona Zack Ryder de- debuted mm-hmm for AEW, I it was just after the Matt Hardy stuff, which I, I don't think Matt Hardy's ever really properly hit, and particularly I don't think the like the broken Matt Hardy stuff fit with AEW. And I wrote this like he it was a really hurt. scathing thing that said He got hurt and then after he got hurt he had to change yeah. some things. Yeah. Because one thing about Matt, Matt has an inability to fully cop to his shortcomings, but mm. he does have the perspective to know I have a wife and three or four kids now. I can't cripple myself. Yeah, but at, I mean, at the time, like the the teleporting and the it just yeah. did not fit with anything AEW had created. It broke they were the too world. Grounded to, they they were had, too grounded yeah. to reality. And and I wrote this thing saying that was titled "Zack Ryder is not elite enough for AEW" um, about how AEW shouldn't be taking every single Tom, Dick and Harry that comes out of the, out of the WWE. And I had people come for me, like my, 
my mentions were not a happy place at that Fans, point. Fans, make so. up your fucking mind. Like, I, I'm make on your side, your guys. Minds. No, seriously, though, Sam, I need fans to make up their minds. Are we don't sign WWE guys because we don't do that? Are we sign every WWE guy because we can? Like, make up your fucking minds. Because when we come out here and say things like, hey, maybe w- or maybe AEW shouldn't sign every cast off because they don't need them, y'all are ready to bitch. Or, but when we say, oh, WWE should, or WWE, I keep fucking it up because the acronyms are so goddamn similar. When we say AEW should look into signing somebody like Braun Strowman, even if he doesn't necessarily fit the company just because of the name cachet, and they're trying to grow the audience, and you can find a role for a monster hoss somewhere, you just can't pay him as much money as he seems to think he's fucking worth. Um... People are like, no, it doesn't work. I hate it. And it's like, make up your minds. What do you want? Yeah, look, right now, literally the only people that they should sign, because they're so bloody bloated right now, and that would be one criticism of them, that literally the only people they should sign are John Cena, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Brock Lesnar, or Daniel Bryan. They're the only five people they should bother signing for the next year, because they're completely packed to the gills. But at at that point, the thing, the, the the principle that I established for myself, right, was this is a company that should be trying to be – their name is all Elite Wrestling. Elite is about excellence. Mm-hmm. It, it's not an, – an elitism and excellence is as much about a mindset of what you value yeah. as it is about what you produce um, because what you value is what you will produce. And what I said at that time was if someone has – voluntarily like asked to leave the wwe so john moxley andrade Brody lee these are people who want ftr wanted to get out because they wanted to excel and they weren't able to excel where they currently were happy days employ those people because they are people who want to exceed if you're someone like zach Ryder who is like happily sat in catering for years and never never kicked up a fuss that's great like you're getting a paycheck happy days that is not an elite attitude, though. That is not an elite mindset. And those kinds of people, go and prove that if you want to wrestle in AEW, that's great. But go and prove that you are willing to like go the extra mile. You're willing to risk it. You're willing to bet on yourself like the guys that I just mentioned, like what the elite did. Like they could have gone to the WWE, and if all rumors are true, they would have been cashed up to the gills. Oh, yeah. Like, they were being offered million-dollar downsides. They were being offered million-dollar downsides, yeah. There was – I don't know how true it is, but someone – that there was a Meltzer report that said Omega was being offered eight figures. Oh, eight yeah, figures in the, the tens of he, – like, Here's why that I believe is, it. I believe that for two reasons. I believe that for two reasons. Number one – Kenny Omega main evented multiple Wrestle Kingdoms. Not just one, multiple Wrestle Kingdoms. Mm. And they do pay attention to that. Number two, AJ worked out. AJ worked out and AJ worked out in a big way and worked out so well that both AJ and Vince are now on record just being like, man, I wish we'd have done this like 10 fucking years earlier. And and number three, AEW would have been completely fucked if they oh, had yeah. Kenny Omega. Oh, yeah. If like, Kenny, if totally Kenny screwed. the Jackson to go to WWE, <laughs> hang it up right yeah. now. Yeah. So, 
like but these people they they said no to that even guys like hangman page right he wouldn't have got i think he was offered probably in the millions but he would have been he wouldn't have you know he he still bet a lot on on what was going guys like mjf even these are people who've decided to not take the wwe road because they don't see themselves excelling in that and they wanted to create excellent product and that's what AEW should be doing and that would go through the majority of my criticisms are when they I don't think they are living up to that ethos where these guys the WWE is a mass market company yeah. and and they they make no bones about that that's that's what they are they produce stacks and stacks of content and they try and capture they try and do as broad a range as possible so they can capture like, as much of the market as they possibly can. They manufacture chips. They do yeah. every every different flavor. We've got plain, we've got sour cream and onion, we've got cheddar and sour cream, we've got, I don't have them in the United States, but I know they exist, we've got ketchup chips and all spiced chips, and <laughs> we don't get the good Canadian shit down here. Um, but yeah, they they make a little bit of everything so that some no matter what your thing is, you can find your flavor somewhere on a WWE program. AEW yeah. specializes in a particular kind of chip. Or at least that was what they were marketing towards. Like we are a certain caliber of chip. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that always comes back is when Cody said they're going to be sports based. And and that's ne- like Ooh, from from oh, the very start, that's proved to be proved so to be nebulous. True. Not not proved to be true, um, and proved to be false. But uh, even just in what they're doing, like if they are not necessarily going to be sports based, but in what they're doing in storytelling, in character work, in in ring work, I want them to be elite. And there have been times where I don't think that they've lived up to that. So I mean, as I said at the moment, I think their roster is is quite bloated there's there's too many people in it the focus is not like it seems to be and very we're starting to get to a point with acquisitions where they're doing wwe wcw tna style acquisitions of you signed who and you're making this a big deal like mark yeah. like no disrespect like, to mark henry no disrespect i love the world's strongest man love it hall of pain was some of my favorite shit but, like, in 2021, you do not need to devote an entire segment on a big show to let everybody know that you signed Mark Henry to be, a, like, producer and agent and trainer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Issue a press release. That's a, yeah, that's a Twitter post. And Why in the Forbes article where you're highlighting... Tony Khan and AEW and talking about how they're the next big thing in wrestling. I understand why you put Jericho in that photo spread. Why is the big show dressed in his wrestling gear in your photo spread for this company? This is not a man that you're ever going to put in a ring. This is a man that does commentary on one of your YouTube shows, but you don't have hangman page or I'm pretty sure it's one of Darby Allen or MJF. I can't remember which one wasn't in there or like, and I'm just like, where are these people that are like your act? None of the elite were in it. And I'm just like, where are these people that are your like actual stars? Why is the big show in this photo shoot? I mean, 
we both know why he's there. Yes, we know why he's there, <laughs> yeah. but it's just those are the kinds of things where you're talking about we're marketing a certain thing, mm. we're presenting ourselves as a certain thing, mm. and sometimes we don't live up to that. Yeah, and and look, one one area that I think they really need to to tighten the screws, and hopefully going back to live crowds will help with this, I think is the way they run their storylines on TV sometimes. Um, yeah. I would say it is long-term to a fault. Um, so, for example, the one that springs to mind immediately where it's like – it, it's great to have long-term storytelling. As I said, I love the Hangman Page stuff. I loved, like, you slowly see the rise of Darby Allen, and, you know, he slowly he, – he firstly, he draw, draws with Cody, then he loses to Cody, and then he finally beats Cody. That's great. But, like, something like the best friends versus Miro and Kip Sabian, man, I felt like that went on for – like ever forever it felt like it had been going for a year i think it actually went it for six months felt, it felt to and, me like they thought trent was going to be cleared earlier like it really did it felt so much in the booking like oh so y'all thought trent was going to be good to go like three weeks ago and trent just got cleared yeah and i feel like the the problems that there was with darby allen and stings versus Team Taz was the same thing. Yes. It just weeks was and out weeks and weeks of just them confronting each other. Yeah. And and honestly, I feel like there's other storylines that are at risk of falling into that trap. Um, the one that at the moment I'm I'm concerned about, which is scary, is because it seems to be like such a central storyline for them, is the pinnacle versus the inner circle. Um, like yeah, that's really the way that. Yeah, and and the way that it's just constantly tittle tat, tit, and particularly the way that the inner circle has like just come back after a giant loss at Blood and Guts, and it was like nothing had happened. Well, it, and I'm glad you brought up Blood and Guts because I'm also getting caught up in the types of matches that they're having within this feud. So you had essentially Blood and Guts is their equivalent of War Games. You had a War Games match. Then you had a stadium stampede match. These are both built as, all right, we've been feuding for a long time. We're going to blow this off. These are the stakes. We're done with this. And y'all have used both of these as like just another chapter in the story. And the way that both of those matches have then shown to me nothing the week after, like the blood and guts match. I mean, the the production design for Blood and Guts, where at the end they had the 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 crash pad and like that's there just was, bad. But that's that was a terrible place to be. That, that was a that's terrible bad place camera to be work. On <laughs> and and my that's yeah. honestly just bad camera work. And honestly, my good faith criticism for them that I've been harping on for a while now. I need them to either get a new production team or yep. change their camera operation because they are not elite. <laughs> I have, they are not elite and like i will maintain i should never be able to see in the corner of the screen because your camera is not properly placed the people standing in gorilla watching the match mm. that's telegraphing in a way that's not okay for an elite company yeah and the and like the 
the end of the match was what it was. Yeah. And like the crash pad stuff. Just bad. You can relitigate it if you want, but no, it, <laughs> it was I, bad. I do, I do just think like and, there's nothing wrong with having a crash pad. Everybody uses them. There's yeah. nothing wrong with doing the spot itself. It's just you. And the reason I say it just comes down to camera work is if you look at the other camera angle, the one that they shot of it from the high angle lens where he's pushed off into yeah. the pad, that looks beautiful. Yeah. It and looks so great. If you'd have if you'd have transitioned from the close up camera of them face to face to just that mm-hmm. high angle shot of him being pushed off and faded to black, that would have been perfect. Yeah. Or and then cut to MJF on the top of the cage yeah. with the blood on his face and the triumphantly. But then Chris Jericho showed up a week le- literally the dynamite after Chris Jericho shows up and gets one over on the pinnacle. Like that, I don't know, that sort of added that, that was where I was like, wow, there's, there's, there's issues here that are, cause this is not like Kip Sabian and Miro. That's a, I can, I can understand that not getting the attention it deserves. Cause it's not the, the top of the, it's not the top, but MJF is like a guy. They want to build this company around. Like you, You'd be thinking that they would be treating this feud with the utmost care and caution, and it does not feel like that's the way it's been done. It feels like each week they're going, "Oh, what are we going to do this week? Oh, let's let's destroy a limousine. Why not? That that that'd be fun to do." And like they've got a general idea of the direction it's heading, but they're not actually sure. And well, that, they've got to con- figure that something concerns out. Concerns me. Mm. Well, it concerns me too because they got to figure something out because uh, Jericho's getting ready to go on tour. Fozzie's going on tour in July. So, like, Jericho's getting ready to be gone for a hot minute, I would think. Unless he's going to do that thing where he tours and does the shows. But, like, if he's going to be out. You think he phones it in now? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Yeah. If you think Beer Gut MAGA Jericho phones it in now, like, wait till you see his Beer Gut MAGA on tour. Yeah. And then, of course, like there's the the issue of the women's division, which has improved a lot, but still still feels like even even now with the improvements. Go ahead. I I would be if I'm thinking about them sitting down to do creative and they've got a meeting planned and they're going to plan the show. What is the first thing that they plan and what is the last thing that they plan? And I feel like the women are constantly pushed towards the end of the end of that meeting and it's constantly like oh we'll push this together it doesn't feel like it's as focused as it should be particularly when it's an area of acute um it comes under acute attention because it is an area where they haven't been the strongest and there's various reasons for that some are excusable some are unexcusable and They've got Britt Baker at the moment, who is their best chance to, like, it is like a reset of the division, but at the moment, it doesn't feel like it's really hitting as it she's should the first have. Champion, she's the first champion they've got in that division that can cut good promos in English. That can be a TV wrestling star. Like, yeah, like Hikaru Shida can, can speak English. I'm not disrespecting her ability to speak English, mm-hmm. but her English is still developing, and she's not going to yeah. cut you a big, lengthy, every week promo in the same yeah. way that Britt can just come out and talk. Yeah. Um, but 
my thought was just to like not even to defend AEW but to just like point out that we all need to collectively do better by the women's wrestling is any fucking company capable of booking more than one competent women's storyline per oh, like a, yeah at a time if you like i mean technically WWE yes because they have three different shows but like <laughs> you know what i'm saying if That's you look at like each show exactly each show has like one competently booked well thought out women's storyline and then every other woman is just kind of there well look there's probably one that's going on on dark but you wouldn't know it because no one watches it (laughs) well no there's probably a story going on on dark but you wouldn't know because the way that they structure dark it's impossible to know what the fuck the story is (laughs) dark is literally i've seen dark dark is literally match Mini promo, match, mini promo, match, mini promo, match, mini promo for an hour and a half to two hours. Dark is uh, me finding the time signatures in the comments and clicking to the ones I'm interested in. (laughs) Yeah. If you've ever watched Ring of Honor television, that's dark. Dark is just Ring of Honor TV for two hours. And and look, dark was put in place just to give these people who've no longer got anywhere to wrestle, somewhere to wrestle, just to keep 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 their ring rust from from you know truly caking on and and hopefully bring some of the guys that are really green and and really new to this just give them the reps that they're not getting in some cases now (laughs) shut down well yes the indie scenes shut down but in some cases now also because aew has reached a certain size with it as a company and has a certain market share in some cases appearing on dark is the biggest audience that some of these younger indie guys that are just getting it. This is the biggest audience they've been exposed to regardless of how many people are in the crowd that night. If a hundred thousand people watch dark, that's a hundred thousand people watching them wrestle. And they're probably used to wrestling for some of them. They're used to wrestling in front of maybe 500. Uh, and that might be a big show for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it really does help get a lot of these younger, newer performers exposure, mm. which will help them get more dates. The indie scene in the United States is rapidly opening back up because we vaxxed up in this bitch. Um, <laughs> no, like, America has flexed its, like, America has flexed its America. We were one of the first countries to have widespread access to three different types of the vaccine. About 60% of people got vaccinated and the other 40% are doing the American thing, which is to be like stubborn assholes for no fucking reason. <laughs> well, I mean, by comparison, Australia did a great job locking down, but yeah, we have done a, a, our government has done a shocking job ramping it out. So we're currently in the midst of uh, a, a panic in Sydney, which is about... 200 k south of where i live so we're uh, crossing our fingers and living on a prayer right now that we don't have a you know a giant delta strain outbreak oh, here in yeah and and you know uh, uh, the majority of the population is still yet to be vaccinated so hopefully i live in yeah. a state where there's a lot of resistance to the vaccine and so what the united states is doing again typically american people have started offering incentives. So like in the city that I live in, I shit you not, the city that I live in is setting up vaccine clinics. And if people go to the vaccine clinic and get vaccinated, they can get put in a lottery for 
free airline tickets. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> from American yeah, Airlines, not... first class airline tickets to that's, anywhere that's they want to go. That's capitalism. That's capitalism. It's capitalism. <laughs> but as a good responsible adult, partly because I teach for a living and I got to be around people's kids, um, I'm just like, wait a minute, I got vaccinated already. Can I? <laughs> where's get... my lottery ticket? <laughs> yeah, where's my airline ticket? What the fuck is this? I was just being responsible. Uh, but um all right so our last topic let's talk about john moxley you love john moxley i like john moxley as a person and i love his wife i think he's upper mid card what makes you say that i'm 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 interested in what makes you say that because i would say had he he disproved that uh last year but i'm I'm interested in what makes you say that so my thing is i think that he had a good i think he had a good run last year but for me last year is what solidified him as upper mid card because something about it didn't hit and i know that i'm in the minority there i know that a lot of people loved his run i just felt like okay so you've got a guy who's cutting basically repetitive and like repetitive and all over the fucking place promos and i know that's part of who mox is mox is all over the fucking place but that didn't work for me it it felt it it always felt like rambling and weird to me and then the other thing is his style of wrestling is one that isn't boring it is not boring i can't handle hardcore shit anymore Mm. as a fan i can't i just can't watch it all I can think about, like, when he's doing these barbed wire matches and shit, all I can think about is, like, dude, you've had, like, three surgeries on that elbow. Please <laughs> don't get a fucking infection. Like, you yeah. have a kid now. I don't want you to lose that arm because you have talked about in the past that almost happened to you. Um, So, like, for me, thinking about from a global company perspective, I don't think in 2021 you can push someone who has that kind of a hardcore style as your top guy. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, what you're saying. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, I just think that like for as talented as he is and for as you know capable of doing just about anything as he is, and for as much as he has a natural connection to the crowd, because like he was my original favorite of the Shield. Like of the three, I was just like, oh yeah, this guy's the guy. He's fucking cool. Um, I just don't think in 2021 that kind of hardcore style can be your top guy. I think he can be a big guy, a guy that helps you sell tickets, a guy that you can put in the Mick Foley role where like, hey, I need someone to challenge for this title. Hey, I need someone to get into this division or do this thing. I just don't think you can make this your consistent every day. This is our guy. Yeah, it's interesting that you you say that. Uh, I would have said because I understand where you're coming from, um, particularly with the hardcore wrestling style. Like uh, that that does make sense, and that's that's a really good point. I would say that for me at least, I've all, obviously I'm a diehard. I was a diehard Ambrose fan. Now I'm a diehard Mox fan. You're I've always thought he could who- be. You're talking to someone who grew up in North Carolina and is a diehard Jeff Hardy fan. So, like, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, I I always thought, like, 
I always saw his connection with the crowd um, from, as I said, I started watching regularly just before the split. So I saw the split and I saw the immediate connection he had with the crowd. And I, I really thought in 2016 that they, that AEW, no, no, sorry, WWE missed a trick by, by not jumping on that at the start of the year when he was really, really hot. Um, yeah. And, from the, I understand why the WWE didn't do it and didn't really make him the man. I don't agree with it, but because I always thought he had a connection that no other wrestlers had um, well, with and the I crowd. Think and missed out on the opportunity of having him dethrone Seth mm-hmm. and like really number one solidify that rivalry even more, but number mm-hmm. two, like that instantly makes them two megastars. Mm-hmm. It really and, quickly. And, and for whatever you think about Dean Ambrose in the WWE and that run that he had, he could do the WWE style really well. Like he could do yeah. the WWE promos. He could make it work in that in that um, atmosphere and in that company. Like very few people have been able to do. He wrestled and he and was unlike Randy Orton, the, until the very end of his run. Up until the very end of his run, mm. unlike a Randy Orton, for example, even when he wasn't dialed in, you couldn't tell. You yep. could only tell at the very end where he was clearly just like, I- I'm, I'm, I'm out. But you I want think me to, after to, to I, back down to Nia Jax is that okay? I'll no, do it. I don't even. That was. I don't even think that was. I think the real tipping point was when Roman got sick again. Yeah. And they made yeah. him cut that like really crass and distasteful promo yeah. about it. I think yeah. for him, that was a moment where he's just like, this is one of my actual best friends. I'm not okay with this, and I'm yep. just out. I'm yeah. just and, and he went into that in the in the Jericho podcast. But, you know, that was the that was the final straw, that, that literally that promo you're speaking about. But, uh, yeah, look, as I said, I thought he was there. But, and I can, I can, I can understand people saying it, particularly in the WWE, why he doesn't work. But I feel like last year he showed that in the most trying of any circumstances that any any wrestler has had to go had to had to go through and and try and create a connection with an audience that's not there as a face, fair. which is rare. That's really really fair. rare in the last ten years to have a face that is so over um, and over. In, in a beloved way and not in a we're doing this to rebel against the company way, in a way where people are just so genuinely passionate about what they are and that they're the beating heart of this company and they're so for them. It's so rare to see that now. Uh, and, and he was that. And he created that emotional connection to his title run in a way that, as I said, no other wrestlers have been able to re- – re- oh, very few other wrestlers have been able to do – um, in the last 10 years, probably CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and Becky Lynch are the, the three others. And I guess you could probably add Drew McIntyre in there who was doing a, a similar sort of thing on in the WWE. Yeah, I feel so bad for him that WrestleMania oh, that year had to be at the yeah. PC. Yeah, oh, that, with that depressing fan just circling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and, and not only did, did Mox create that, create that connection, he had great matches he created or boosted stars. Like you think about the people that he feuded with as champion and what they went on to do afterwards, like Brody Lee, he went on to, to win the TNT title. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I had a hell of a match with with John Moxley. Um, Those and, two always had great fucking chemistry. Oh, yeah. Harper you, versus Harper versus Ambrose was always money, and I knew yeah. Lee versus Moxley would be no different. Yeah. What was it? There was like one of the tributes they were talking about how at WrestleMania 31, I think it was, mm-hmm. Ambrose was like. I want you to do something crazy because I want us both to get on the highlight reel and you're the only person I trust in this ring to do this to me. So I think you like choke slammed him through a through a ladder on the outside or something nuts like that. Some but, crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah, but like so after that that match, Brody Lee went on to destroy Cody. Um the next thing that Darby Allen did after his feud with um his his program with mox was to go on and beat cody another person that went on to beat cody after losing to mox so i guess mox is like on a different level to cody in this in this in the tears of this promotion (laughs) okay not let's let's call a spade a spade sam mox is on a different level than cody period it don't matter what promotion mox is on we call cody the three-star savior for a reason Um, or, or like Eddie Kingston, for example, after he did his, Yo, um, John Moxley like, totally resurrected that, Eddie Kingston's that career. This man was ready to fucking retire. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Eddie Kingston obviously carried his own load in that, in that, oh, he totally that, did. Uh, but, but that, that relationship has made Eddie Kingston in AEW. Yeah. He was ready um, to and, retire before that. And he is now one of their most over people and i love to see it just because you in an industry full of really shitty humans eddie kingston is a really good human yep yep and and someone who wears his is just so authentic wears his heart on his sleeve and yes man i i really hope that i'm really looking forward to seeing how when eddie kingston enters that tennis arena in Queens. Oh yeah, he's gonna be heroes welcome at Queens. Bonkers for him. And I think I hope they've. I mean, say what you like about Tony Khan, but Tony Khan knows what he's doing in most cases, and he knows how to please his audience, and he will know to put Eddie Kingston in a big role in that show, in something that the crowd can pop for and and he'll give just him a ride with card. for him. Yeah, he'll give him a prominent mid card match of some sort. The, the match that I hope. The, ma- the match that I hope happens is versus Miro for the TNT title. That would be oh. like that would Miro. blow the roo- blow the roof off. Um, he comes this close to winning the TNT title and then Lana screws oh, him out of it. No. You know that's coming. That's you know not how coming. that's you not how AEW. AEW don't troll coming. like that. <laughs> you know it's coming. In, in their hometown, AEW. It might not come in that particular match, but you know yeah. she's coming. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and, and you know, she'd be an all right addition. Like, she'd be a good addition to, to Miro's act. I was going to say, here's why she'd be good. Miro's better now because he speaks fluent English now, but, like, he's still not engaging on the microphone, and she is. Mm. Yep. Yep. Like, and and she's got her own... She's got her own thing, and here's the thing: yeah. she's not a good wrestler, but neither is Allie, and she still does it. And and Lana's also got a pretty decent following of her own that would probably she's an actual actress. Be good for yeah. And she is someone, you know, say what you will about her level of talent, but like she genuinely does care about wrestling. She wants to 
be involved in it. This is a passion of hers. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she got fired not that long ago and was back in the ring like a couple of weeks later doing reps with TJ Wilson and Mm -hmm. Natalia. So, like, this is someone who genuinely cares about the craft regardless. Mm -hmm. So, like, you could do worse. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. Hopefully not in the circumstances you suggested. I'm hoping AEW, instead of making hometown wrestlers lose because they want to just create endless amounts of heat and troll their audience, I'm hoping that they uh, want to make their audience happy and and let the hometown wrestlers win. I will get back to you on that because... (laughs) No, I'll get back to you on that because I'm going to Dynamite at the end of July. It's in Charlotte. If FTR don't have a fucking match, I am going to flip shit. What is Justin Roberts going to say about Charlotte, North Carolina, when they're actually in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Kenny? I don't know, but he better better (laughs) tread softly because the people of Charlotte are not with the disrespect. (laughs) Um, What were we talking about? Oh, mocks. So, yeah, look, to get back to that, I guess... What I would say is that I I feel like there are a few people that I understand what you're saying about his style. I think for AEW it works. I can see why you might say it doesn't it wouldn't work in the WWE, but New Japan, AEW, anywhere else in the world, I think Mox is a main eventer because no one else connects to the crowd like he does. Well, very few others can connect to the crowd, make the crowd care and emotionally invest in not just himself but the other wrestlers around him as well like mox does um and i reckon if he went back like as good as the roman reigns run is at the moment what it really needs to set it on the next level is like a big time face badass face to go against him and can you imagine like the mox character it's not gonna happen obviously but the mox oh, character yeah. right now against tribal chief roman reigns like the face-offs and the the promos back and forth it would be absolutely incredible I mean, it would be incredible like I'd that also, would be i mean i'd be here for i'd be here for it anyway just because like we because heel roman is new we've never had face dean versus heel roman we've never yeah. had face dean have to be like who the fuck even are you anymore yeah yeah uh like i mean to this day like roman and seth had a stare down two or three weeks ago and i'm just like okay all right. I, I sat up uh, a little bit. I sat up a little that, bit. That might chair. make me watch WWE again if that like, really kicks off. <laughs> and, and like they very quickly, they very quickly like established themselves as being on the same page. But I was just like, for now. Yeah. Yeah. Now? Until. Until. Because <laughs> like, because like the, I, y'all are just teasing me with y'all being on screen together, and I'm already percolating. So like, hit me with that anytime. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Um, no, I think that... Can you imagine if, you know, the roar after WrestleMania, after Roman Reigns beats The Rock, he's in the he's in the thing and... Leather jacket, leather jacket, <laughs> comes, on the, <laughs> comes on the thing and outstruts Dean Ambrose. He comes to the ring and he goes, you might think you know who I am. And then he rips his Dean Ambrose shirt off and it says Mox on it. And <laughs> oh, that would be, I mean, that would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> It'd be so yeah. hilarious because like, I just, I mean, the thought of Vince acknowledging <laughs> that someone has a name that he didn't give them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, no, that I'm here for it though. Um, yeah. You make very convi- you make very convincing and valid points. Um, and I will not, even begin to disagree that John Moxley has uh, he just has a connection with the audience um, and it is something that not every wrestler can do and so like we we talk about that it factor Moxley has it to a degree and I would never take that away from him um, and so you know I mean I've always been a fan of his I don't necessarily find him to be your go-to main event guy, but like, I will never be upset to see Mox. Um, and congrats to him and Renee again on the be- on the birth of their beautiful Bebe. Having a little girl is amazing. I can attest to that. And yeah, they're on for a wild ride, but they'll be great parents. Like you can just tell they take so much joy in each other and they've My got the right, they don't value things. They value people and experiences. So they'll, my I'll hope have, for I'll Renee great... is that she is able to leverage AEW's Turner relationship into being the NHL analyst for TNT. I mean, that would be a dream job for her, right? Wouldn't that's it? why that's my hope for <laughs> yeah. her. I, yeah. First of all, I love hockey, so like I'm here for it. But I know that as a good Canadian and a good Toronto gal that she would love nothing more than to be TNT, one of TNT's NHL correspondents. And I want that so badly for her. Yeah, I mean, I've seen photos of on her Instagram of her going to the hockey, and I know she's talked about it on her, her podcast. And, yeah, that would 
that would be a dream scenario. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. I think I think I think Mox will just be a wrestler for his whole life. That's just what he does. Oh yeah. He'll be he'll be wrestling barbed wire matches when he's sixty years old. <laughs> some people, I mean, some people in the industry, you're just like, oh yeah, I can totally see you doing X when you're done performing, and then other people, you're just like, oh, you're just gonna do this until they tell you to stop. Yeah. Um, I think one thing, though, last thing I'll say before we kind of wrap it up for the night. Um, I think one thing that AEW has changed for the better about WWE is they are forcing WWE to rely more on the stars that they have instead of that, like, glass ceiling. And I think... To go back to your glass ceiling, one of the problems that was created by WWE becoming hegemonic and having total control over the industry for so long is the reason the Attitude Era was allowed to be a thing is because the guys like Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger and that stars of that generation had all left to go to WCW for the guaranteed Turner money to sit at yeah. home. Yeah. And so WWE was forced to push this new generation of people because their old generation all went for a different payday. Well, when you're the only ticket in town, your old generation doesn't have other paydays to be going after when you tell them that they're not going to be stars anymore. And and going for the, uh, the nostalgic or the well-known face, like big face. Especially as the numbers continue to fall. it's always been in Vince's DNA. Like you look at, um, oh, was it WrestleMania nine where Brett wrestled Yokozuna and then Hogan yeah. came out Hogan afterwards. Out right after. And it's like, who is this guy? Like he's not, this guy is on his last legs. Turns out he wasn't, but you know, like this guy is not the star that you're building, but, but then he went to a different place and Vince had to build stone cold, had to build the rock, had to rely on these people to be the main eventers, and and I think COVID actually was one of the things Absolute. that forced that to happen. Absolutely. Like, they didn't have the people that they could previously have gone to. They didn't want to show up into the performance center. So it was yeah, they're true. too fucking old. Like it COVID was, was coming after yeah. old people and they're too fucking old. <laughs> didn't matter for Ric Flair. He just <laughs> I mean, Ric Flair at this point is just like, I'm surprised I'm still alive. <laughs> He's like Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones, where you're like, how did you, like, how have other people died and you're still alive? <laughs> I, and I legitimately think that if you asked Rick, he'd say, I don't know either, man. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, look, as I said, I think at the start, like, it, it seems like WWE has a turned a corner when they go back to these live audiences, you know, they'll, um, there's the, you know, there's maybe the temptation to go back to, you know, those names that previously formed that glass ceiling, but we'll see what happens. And hopefully it doesn't because like, there's nothing beats. Like, honestly, one of the things I loved about last year as a fan was having followed Mox for so long and invested in him emotionally and followed his journey and ridden the ups and downs when he finally hit that high and Mm -hmm. got that and, and, got that validation and was just so beloved and i know that the roman reigns fans are feeling it now as well they're like just so ecstatic that their their guys just in this and it's is so many people having yeah. the run of their life well and it's so it, it's many people have feeling and mm. so many people have found their characters 
yeah. during this time. And yeah. like one thing that I have maintained is like for as much as we need fans for wrestling to be wrestling, one of the good things that happened for WWE especially was because the fans weren't there and they were in charge of piping in the crowd noise, they were allowed to let people figure it out. Mm. Because one problem that we have in all of society is we're so fucking reactionary mm. that if something doesn't hit the first week or the second week, we're just ready to totally abandon ship and go back to the old thing. Mm. But if you look at this past year, Bailey, when she first turned heel, she was still kind of figuring yeah, it out. She it took wasn't, a while to figure that out. Yeah. Well, she took like two or three months to really understand it. But once she put it together and figured out, oh, fuck, I'm just a Karen. Once she put that together and just really embraced that and like went full into it, she became one of the best things on television. Sami Zayn falling into conspiracy theories and hilarious <laughs> just became so fucking great. Um, I don't like the accent, but like the jet, like the genesis of the new Apollo Crews. Great story. Like, these are people who, in the past, if it didn't work right away, they would have either taken it off TV entirely or they would have completely redone it in such a way that this person never got to figure it out. Yeah, I feel like like a live crowd. I feel like particularly the Apollo thing, a live crowd would have shat on that, oh, I feel oh, like, initially. Oh. Yeah, oh, okay. and and it, I mean the WWE is not helped by AEW benefits from having a crowd that just has so much goodwill for them. Yeah, and there's a reason that they have so much goodwill because w, AEW is a company that tries to make their most hardcore fans really happy. And um, they're whereas, still new, and they're still because yeah, I think that that's still true. matters that's too. That's true. That you're is true. right. I will yeah. never take. I won't take that away from you. You're absolutely right. They do go out of their way to pander to their core audience they and they have said that yep. that's not put they have said that that's their that's their audience whereas yeah wwe that's not their core audience and yeah, so it's just one I won't part take of it that from you but the other thing that i still think aew benefits from they are only two years old yeah that's fair enough they haven't yeah. had to like we we talked today about their roster bloat they haven't had to do yeah. some cleaning yet they haven't had to. They haven't had as many opportunities to fuck up a storyline or to yep. like not give you the payoff you were expecting, or for someone that you think is holding other people back. You know, yep. Cody feels like a sideshow novelty right now. In five years, if Cody is like going over people consistently that should be going over him, how long until the yeah. fans? Turn on like that. if if Jungle Boy it never actually, and I don't think that's going to happen. But if Jungle Boy doesn't ascend to the peak of the company, like or or maybe in five years' time, Pentagon's never done anything and he's still just doing the same act. Yeah. You know that that would be disappointing, and and they haven't had to deal with that. You're right. That's and, that's a that's a very fair point. And so that's that's always been my curiosity with. Some members of that like really, really diehard AEW audience is it's just like you have a lot of goodwill for them right now. You're going out of your way to defend them in part because they are new and you want to make sure that they succeed. Where's the elite defense unit, man? You gotta... are. <laughs> gotta do the job. No, but like, but I, I will say this. I will say this. And this is something that I'm saying in good faith to people who are ride or die for AEW. 
the fact that they continue to get their TV deals renewed time and time again, I know they're being moved to a new network, but the fact that they continue to get those TV deals renewed and they're getting more money for them, that should alleviate some of your fear of are they going to be able to sustain? Because they've got at least a three-year TV deal now, so they're at least going to be around for the next three. They've got time to to work it out. Yeah, so like some of that I think can be put to rest from a concern standpoint. But at the same time, um, I'm just curious to see what will happen to some members of that core fan base when those opportunities for disappointment start to happen. It's kind of like a sports team. Like, you're a brand new sports team, and they haven't had a chance to break your heart yet. How do you feel after those, like, you know, decade of heartaches? Are you still ride or dying? Mm. Yeah, Uh, I'm one of the things I'm curious about is who will be the first big name AEW wrestler to jump ship to WWE because that will happen at some point. Like, and and how will what will happen? What will the the reaction be like from from either side of the fan base that it's around? I'm really curious if someone like, for example, I don't think it'll be him because he wouldn't work in WWE. Um, Orange Cassidy. If someone like an Orange yeah. Cassidy were to jump ship, would they let him remain Orange Cassidy? Now that yeah. he's been on te- Because here's the thing. It was one thing to change people's names when they're a bunch of fucking nobodies. Yeah. It is something else entirely to go changing names when you know that they have appeared on a show that you know gets a million viewers every week. Yeah, and, well, Orin, well, WWE's, like, gone in and out of fashion with changing names they've had because aj styles and adam cole and they they kept their names or kyle o'reilly for example but you know there was before that seth rollins kevin owen Sami Zayn. they all changed their name and now you know the wrestlers going in are changing their names like um man i, I can't think what who's the united states champion the aussie bloke i don't, can't uh, remember bronson his WWE reed. name yeah bronson reed previously jonah rock um in when he was wrestling here in Australia yeah, and on the uh, Indies. There's like, a good handful of Aussies um, in yeah, the American wrestling scene right now, you know? Mm. Rhea is not working right now, and I don't know how they're going to fix that, but, like, it's not working. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I Because the, the time she really worked as a face was when she was against Shayna Baszler, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was and just Charlotte. because she was against Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Yeah, the first time against Charlotte. But that that was also in the NXT yeah. context, whereas yeah. now she's in the main roster context, which is a completely different beast to, to operate in. And she it's it's not it's not worked for her so far. But yeah, look, there's there's plenty of great Aussies in the uh in the wrestling scene now. Buddy Murphy, who'll be he'll be doing something Yo, somewhere. I, I that's exciting to know like, what's gonna happen. Someone that I I know we talked about the roster is loaded, but someone that I think every company should want to sign is fucking Buddy Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. Every I'd company. I'd um I'd love him to it's because COVID like new Japan is not as much of an option as it would be, but far out the junior division there could use someone like buddy Murphy to just blow off the doors. Yeah. And and, give me, give me Murphy versus um, Hiromu. Give me Murphy versus um, Robbie Eagles. Robbie Eagles. (laughs) Give me, give me Murphy versus bone soldier. Like, 
I am here for all versus LP. Yep. Versus I'm here for Desperado. all of it. Yes. Yep. Inject it yeah. into my veins. Um, no, but Sam, man, thank you again so much for coming out. Yep. Um, thank you for working around our weird time zone differences <laughs> um, out there in Australia. Um, one last, pl- I'm going to give one last plug for y'all. Look out for Sir Sam's AEW Best Matches series. It'll be on wrestlingheadlines.com starting sometime around next week. He's collaborated with a bunch of great people. I know it'll be awesome. Including you. <laughs> yes, including bunch of people me. From, a bunch, bunch of people from Chairshot, actually. I was really, really happy to get It's from the, the entire wrestling wrestling multiverse. So, so But yeah. yeah, be sure to check it out. Um other than that, Sam, any other things you want to plug? Tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, just Twitter, sir underscore Samuel would be the, the place to find me. And if any if I'm posting anything, it'll get posted there. So just hit me up there. Come come uh, talk some AEW. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm where I'm right. Hopefully, <laughs> come share some love for John Moxley. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, thanks. Jump thanks. in there. Thanks again, Sam. Um, y'all, as you Thank know. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime, bro. You are always welcome. And y'all, as you know, you can find the good brother, Carl, on Twitter, at OutsiderCurvin, K-E-R-V-I-N. He is and remains the best Twitter here in the chair shot. Amen. Um, you can find our good brother, Rance, on Twitter, at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. You can find me on Twitter, at Dr. S'mores, D-R, S'mores. Um, you can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. And as always, we are part of the Chairshot Media Network at Chairshot Media, where we invite you to enjoy your day the Chairshot way and always use your head. And lastly, y'all, remember, we here at the Outsiders Edge are just some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything that we can trying to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with those real hard facts, like AEW's got a great TV deal and they're not going anywhere. And other times we're going to hit you with some things that you might not like to hear, like AEW's roster is a little bit bloated and maybe they shouldn't be signing so many people. But no matter what, we're just out here chasing our dreams, y'all. And you've got to respect that because... Rance and Carl are still out on assignment, which means I damn sure don't give, give a, a fuck. fuck. Sorry, I wanted to do that with you. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I appreciate I your one. efforts. Um, yo, y'all, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.